0: hey guys welcome back um i recently just took my parents to the lax airport and if you live in california you know how intense of a drive that can be Um, The 405 is not fun. It's definitely not my favorite road to drive on, especially with those tiny lanes and the twists and turns, and you're going like 85 miles an hour, or at least I go 85. I don't know if you should, but, you know, that's what I do. So um, on my way up there, uh, we listen to worship music because my mom kind of gets really bad anxiety when she's going to fly, which I get. I personally love flying, but it can be really intense for a lot of people. And I was just thinking, as we were listening to this worship music, driving up there, it's an hour drive from my house. So an hour up there, an hour back, two hours, basically, just me and God. He brought to my remembrance some things that he had told me a long time ago. And I want to I wanna share with you guys, because I think they're very imperative for the season that we're going into as young adults. And as a church community in 2021, kind of coming out of COVID into this new reality where we had in 2019 kind of normal life, everything going as before. And then 2020, we had this huge shock to our culture and the way that we live life. And we had to really dial back and readjust. And it was a completely new season for everyone in a very isolating season. But I think one of the greatest benefits that had come from that is the emphasis that we have as a society put on mental health and self-care and the things that you need to do to be okay. We saw a lot of that in early March, April of 2020, right when that first wave of the shutdown started. And in 2021, now we're starting to see things open up more. Um, The state of Texas is completely open. And I think that's crazy. But in California, we're not completely open, but we're getting there. And I think that's where a lot of the country is at with things just starting to open up Some people have been completely isolated and in their homes almost this whole time. So going on a year now, like 12 months of really being completely alone and kind of having to deal with things in a completely new way. And things aren't going back to normal anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, But we're stepping into this kind of new normal now And a lot of things have shifted culturally outside of the church. And I think we're kind of going to see those effects inside of the church. And I wanna talk to you guys today about a kingdom principle. And so if you don't know what a kingdom principle is, that's okay, I'm gonna explain it right here. But a kingdom principle, or a principle of the kingdom of heaven, is essentially one of the ways that the kingdom of heaven works that the earth doesn't work by. Okay, so we know that one day earth is going to look just like heaven, right? Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, and the Lord's Prayer, but it's not, it's not yet. And if you just take a look outside, if you go, even go on your phone, you don't even have to go out of your own little bubble world. Um, just open up Instagram and see the things that people are posting. We can see very clearly whether you are a Christian or not that this earth does not reflect heaven. And if it does, I will be I will be very disappointed because I do not want to live here like this for eternity. There's just so much chaos and anxiety and depression and lust and just crazy things going on we can see very clearly that the earth does not reflect heaven yet it will eventually sometime sooner rather than later hopefully but it does not yet reflect heaven and so heaven has these certain principles that it works by it's kind of like how we have the law of gravity these are the laws of heaven that when you follow them it helps you understand christianity and jesus and the bible and the spiritual world a lot better um But a lot of times it doesn't make sense to us because it's not the way the world works. We don't see it reflected in our daily lives. And a lot of these heavenly principles honestly just don't make sense in a way. One of these you've probably heard of tithing where you have your paycheck or whatever and you give 10% of it to whatever church you're a member of right? It's called tithing. When you do that, you are blessed by God. That is one of these heavenly principles that God blesses. And in a worldly sense, that makes, makes no sense at all, honestly. Why would I take 10% of the money that I'm earning that i'm working hard for and give it away to an organization to do who knows what like pay for another pastor's porsche like i don't know whatever hopefully they're not doing that but it's really to go towards helping people then to say okay me giving my money away is then going to cause me to get blessed like that makes no sense so the one heavenly principle that I wanna talk to you guys about today is seed time and harvest. And I'm gonna start out by reading a parable that Jesus gives in Matthew 13. I think this kind of sets the ground for understanding the principle of heaven really well. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So in Matthew 13, Jesus goes on to further explain what this parable means because the disciples had a lot of questions as they usually do and as they should. Because if you have the Lord of Lords and King of Kings living among you, then you might as well ask him as many questions as you can. They asked, Jesus, what does this mean? And in verse 18, Jesus says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and prove unfruitful. As for what was sown in good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. I think Jesus sums it up pretty clearly there, um, that the person who hears the word and understands it and has the foundation enough to hold on to it through hard times will yield a harvest from the word of either a hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. So a hundredfold, that basically just means a hundred times what you sowed, what was sown. Um, and this really ties in to what God had told me when I was going through a really hard time, when I felt like everything worth living for in my life. Everything that I had worked really hard for had been completely stripped away or just turned to something horrible. It was like all of the best things in life turned on me. Everything I loved and I got joy from just kind of turned into these really sour things that then caused me a lot of pain and bitterness and so i personally was really struggling with this and just kind of like asking god why why me why this why is it so hard why is it constant why is it everything and just kind of saying like hey god i don't see where this is going and i don't think any good can come of this like I'm gonna be stuck in this situation forever. It feels like it's been forever. It feels like it's too much. I can't hold on to all of this pain and hurt and and grow anything through this process. I felt like the garden of my soul internally was scorched, that it had been burnt away through the fires of just life, of the hardness and the unpredictability and the heartbreak of life, that I felt so burnt and scorched and charred and just rough and very much dried out. Not a garden you would want to be in. It really didn't resemble a garden at all. My soul was nothing like what I thought it should be. And something in that questioning allowed god to show me this very beautiful beautiful vision of it was it was a garden right so just a kind of like one of those little small plots of land not a very big garden not a huge garden of eden lush garden just one of those little raised planters just this rectangle size and. In it was a rose bush. And something happened in the atmosphere or the environment, and this rose bush started to die and wither away. And there was only a few roses on it, but what I could see, they were very beautiful. There was a lot of little buds, so it was very hopeful that this was gonna turn into a beautiful rose bush. But then the environment changed, and you could see the soil started to dry up. If you guys have ever killed a succulent before, which I have, I kill all of my succulents. They're so hard for me to grow. You know what it looks like when you have a healthy plant in healthy soil and a dead plant in uh, unhealthy soil. And so that's kind of what this garden was turning into. It just dried up. It shriveled away from the edges. The rose bush, you could see it I felt very sad for it because it seemed like all of the nutrients got sucked out of it. All of its will to live got sucked out of it. And then after that, it caught on fire. And I was like, wow, God, this is a beautiful analogy for my life. I was like, I am that rose bush That's exactly me right now. I am the aftermath of that fire. That is where I was at in life this rose bush not only is it dead and shriveled, it's now charred and um, full of ash, and it just kind of is, there's a few twigs left, but there's really not much there. I start to see the atmosphere change again, and then there was some rains, and I'm thinking, oh lord, yeah, that's, Exactly. Perfect example of my life and probably what the rest of it's going to look like. I'm just going to be this dead rosebush in this garden that is failing. And then the rain is going to come and there's no roots. There's no foundation. It's just going to wash everything away. It's going to turn to mud. It's going to be gross and disgusting. And why can't we go back to that beautiful rosebush that was in the beginning with all of the promising little buds? and it does it starts to rain and this rose bush is just being so beaten down and so really like torn apart all of the beautiful rose petals that was on it before or that had survived the the withering away they were gone they were burnt they were turned to ash and now they're all turning to mud and they're mixing with the soil and i start to see these hands getting into that mud and into that soil as it's raining and it starts to do something and it starts to till the soil and it takes the the soil on top and it kind of pushes it down to the bottom and it takes the bottom soil and lifts it up if you guys have ever mixed something before that was basically what it was doing it was taking the bottom And putting it on top and taking the top and putting it on the bottom. Kind of like if you've ever like tossed a salad or something. So I was doing this. And I was doing this for a while. And I start to see something change. The atmosphere was changing again. The soil was changing now. It was drying up. But not to a place of... It started to resemble the soil I had seen in the beginning. Only this time... It was healthier. It was soil that had the pieces of ash in it and the old rose bush in it. As it was tilling the soil, it started to move the soil from the outside of this little garden plot to the inside. Okay, So all of it is being really mixed around. It, it seemed a little chaotic, to be honest but I could kind of feel like something was going on, like something was, was about to change. Kind of in this vision, I'm seeing the soil get get worked in there and it's being moved around and it, it starts to zoom out a little bit for me. And I don't see whose hands they are, I don't know. I'm guessing that they're gods, but I, I don't know. Starts to, I, I got to see how those old pieces from that first rose bush got moved to be spread across that whole little garden plot and as it stopped raining there were pieces of the rose bush scattered everywhere the sun started to come out and then these rose bushes started to grow these rose bushes they grew fast and they grew furious they were absolutely beautiful. Not only the same one that had grown before, but these were full-on, fully blooming, gorgeous, beautiful rose bushes. And I say bushes because it wasn't just the one that had been scarred and burnt. It was multiple bushes in the same garden plot and it Almost, it started to grow so much that this garden plot couldn't contain it. It was overflowing with these beautiful, beautiful rose bushes. And I could just tell that in this garden, this was the plot that you would have wanted to have. You would have said, Who put in so much time and effort and care into cultivating these beautiful rose bushes? And then just walking into that garden, if you walked in in that moment, you would have had no idea that that sacrifice of the first bush allowed these other beautiful bushes to grow and to bloom and to thrive. So it wasn't that they started from the beginning either. They had these huge, beautiful rose blossoms on them already. There weren't buds. Um, there were some uh, signifying like the future is still present in that moment and there's still something to come. But in that moment, was the fulfillment of what that first rosebush came to do and i think one it's a beautiful beautiful analogy of what jesus did on the cross right he died so that we could find life he gave his life so that we could have the holy spirit inside of us and we could have him inside of us but also it's a really good analogy of kind of the way life goes in this principle of seed time and harvest. There's something really beautiful in letting the process, the natural processes that God has put into place for humanity to work through some of that craziness that we're born with, to let it take its course. You hear a lot of times in therapy that healing is not linear. It's not a one-line journey that you make this checkpoint and then you're done with it and then you move on. It kind of goes all over the place. You can have good days and then bad days and then great days and then horrible days and it just kind of is all over the place. That is something that's really really beautiful is letting ourselves have this natural time to really grow and mature in the things of god and even things just taking it out of a spiritual context just things in life like learning how to deal with people it can be a spiritual thing but a lot of times it's just experience you meet um people who are are older like really old who still don't know how to deal with people because they never took the time to learn how to deal with people and vice versa. You have these wonderful young people who can carry on an intelligent conversation and they're just the sweetest and they have compassion and they care for people. And you feel really heard and loved when you talk to them because they took the time to learn these things, to learn these principles, right? So when I think about this rose garden, this is a vision that God gave me in one of the darkest times of my life. And when I say dark, very seriously dark, and I'm sure we all have those seasons. And for those of you who know my story, who I've, I've shared my testimony with, um, you know that it was rough. I've been through a lot. I feel like, like high key, I feel like I've been through enough for probably four or five people. I'm not saying it's that bad, I'm not trying to be a drama queen, but it's been rough. And when I say it was one of the darkest seasons of my life, guys, I'm not kidding you. It was one of the darkest seasons of my life. So this one, personally, is really personal to me and it means a lot to me. The meaning in that season, what I got from that, and what I got when I was driving in the car, taking my parents to the airport. is. Whatever you're struggling with is going to be returned back to you. So in my childhood, I never really I, I never really fully enjoyed my childhood. I was always very worried, kid, very stressed out with adult problems I shouldn't even have known about, honestly. It's like who worries about a mortgage payment at the age of eight years old? I don't know, I did, uh, you know, if you're a psychologist, maybe you can diagnose me with something, but that was my childhood. I was constantly worried about things. In middle school, I was worried about getting into Harvard and becoming a lawyer and whether or not I would pass the bar exam, but that was me. I was so tense and worried. I really feel like I didn't have a childhood most of the time. And that used to make me really sad. But in the car, spending these two hours with God, I cannot tell you, just singing my heart out in worship, how many times I just laugh. Just for, for no reason, kind of. I just feel the joy of the Lord on me and in my life just because, because the Lord has given that to me. And I still deal with a lot of depression and kind of like not feeling that all of the time. But keeping in mind the principle of seed, time, and harvest, and this vision that God has showed me, I believe that whatever you are struggling with in your life, whatever you feel like is the area of your life that has caused so much pain and destruction an area that feels dead an area that feels like you're never going to be able to get over this thing whatever it is god is going to restore back to you that thing but greater so if you deal with anxiety believe me when i say you are going to be abundantly overflowing with peace if you're dealing with depression you're going to be abundantly overflowing with joy. If you deal with lust, you're going to be abundantly overflowing with honor and modesty. If you deal with self-hate or a self-doubt, you're going to be abundantly and overflowing with confidence and love for yourself and for the people around you. When God does things, he doesn't do things small. God is a big God. He's a God of the universe. I mean, that's pretty big. I teach science, so I know there's a lot of things we don't even know about. So the universe is massive. And so we have God who thought of everything in the universe and cares for you so deeply. Believe me when I say he cares about your heart because he does. And he wants to give you things in abundance that you don't even have room for. Um, I never thought I would be a person who just smiled. There was a time in my life when I forgot how to smile. If I tried to smile, it was incredibly awkward. I didn't know how to do it because I hadn't smiled for so long. And now that, I believe, is one of the most beautiful things about me is my smile. And it's very cute. I had an old lady one time, she came up to me and she (laughs) was telling me how um, my smile blessed her. And I was like, man, lady, you do not even know how much that means to me because there was a time where I literally didn't smile. It was a few years where I didn't smile. And so I've seen this happen in my life i can attest to you that god is faithful every single time that is one of the biggest things that blows me away about him is how faithful he is every single time like you think like there would be one time i'd be like yeah well he didn't really like come through or like yeah kind of but no it's like literally every single time god is there and he has come through in ways where i'm like You didn't even have to go that far, like, come on, but he does because he wants to. And so that is this principle of seed, time and harvest. And we love to focus on the seed and the harvest in Christian culture, right? We hear of, okay, things are really hard right now, but God has a promise and he's coming through. Yes, he absolutely does. Don't get me wrong, he absolutely does and we love to focus on the harvest of hey like i was in this really hard time but now i'm rejoicing because god has done this for this and this and this for me and my family and we like to see the beginning and the end but we rarely rarely talk about that time portion of the time and the energy and the sleepless nights and the days where we're just too empty inside to get up or where we're crying constantly because that is where the real work is done. Yeah, in the vision, that rosebush in the beginning was beautiful. It really was. And in the end, that was incredible. It was amazing, breathtaking. But... It wouldn't have happened without that middle part, without the tilling of the soil, without God bringing up those things that we've maybe set aside or cast aside or forgot about or maybe teaching us new things we didn't even know. Um, We can't get to the end without that time. In a lot of times in Christian culture, this seed time and harvest, that section for time is called the wilderness. A lot of times that is what we call maybe a dry season where we don't feel god our emotions our mind maybe even our bodies feel void of purpose and joy and life and god even maybe we don't even feel his presence that season is a really hard season to be in but It's also the most beautiful season I think that exists. Like, yes, we love the beginning and yes, we love the end. But that season in the middle, that time section, that wilderness dry season is where we are positioned to receive the blessings of God and to get to know him more intimately on a deeper level. When the things around us, whether that be friends, or money, or uh, a job, or a career, or a a family member, um, whatever kind of thing you can place your value in, when those things are stripped away, and we're left desolate, and burnt, and scorched, and hurt, and in pain, and in need of a caregiver, and in need of the love of God, in the wilderness when there is nothing left for us to do or for us to give, that is where God shows up the most. And I say this with confidence because that is how it has been for me and everyone that I've talked to in every season of their life. The beauty that comes from the wilderness is unparalleled. And even Jesus shows this to us when he retreated into the desert after being um, baptized by John the Baptist, he retreated into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. And we talk a lot about that being the wilderness. And we see in the wilderness, he came face to face with Satan himself and he recounted the scriptures. What was written, he said, for it is written, he recounted the scriptures to Satan. And it doesn't say, that god was with him in the wilderness even though he he was god is omnipresent god is everywhere it doesn't say that jesus felt god's presence or jesus was empowered to say these things because the holy spirit rested so incredibly upon, upon him but he knew these things in his heart and he knew to put his trust in God. And so he was able to say when the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, and the devil said, I can give you all of this. You want it, it's yours if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus says to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so, Jesus was able to come at the devil with these responses because he knew what was written in his heart. In the wilderness is where you see the faithfulness of God. In the wilderness is where you see the faithfulness of God. Because without the wilderness, there's no need for his faithfulness. Without those dry seasons and the seasons where we can't do it on our own, then there's no need for him to show up. If we got it, then what do we need God for? If we are good in our own strength, if we're comfortable and we're happy, why do we need God? We don't. If we had everything in our control, then really there's no reason for God to show up. There really isn't. Not that God brings us these seasons of wilderness. But sometimes he will lead us into a season of worldliness because that is how intent he is to go after our heart. That is how seriously in love with us he is. And this is another thing that may not make sense on earth, but it totally makes sense in heaven because God's love is just so radical like that. That on earth, if someone loved us and left us in the desert, we'd be like, what the heck? what? This was a mistake. Like, nah, this is the wrong one. Um, However, when it's God who has created us, who knew us before we were even a thought in our mother's mind, he's, he's a God that has good plans for us, a God that has shifted heaven and earth to come near to us, to dwell in us and be in our hearts and be a part of our lives. When he leads us into the wilderness, you can guarantee that his faithfulness is gonna show through, not only after, we don't have to wait for that end season, when we arrive, when we've got that full garden, and then with these beautiful bushes to show off, like, hey, I went through all of this, so I'm gonna get all of this beautiful things, which is true, we do get beautiful things after the wilderness, but he's saying, hey, Listen, some things I want you to grow in because I want you to be a better person because I want you to be able to overcome these things because I want you to be able to be a light for me and the world around you. And so I'm going to take you into the wilderness so you can come to me and get to know me and I can give you the strength and the joy that you need to get through this. And not only get through this, but lead other people into that same freedom and that same life and joy and peace and confidence and love that I've shown you how to get. Now it's then your turn to give that to other people and help lead them through that season as well. And I think that is why I've always had this question, like, why is Christian music so sad? Like... Yeah, we've got like the praise and worship songs where they're really upbeat and they're kind of poppy and they're fun, like young and free and all that. But if you listen to the majority of Christian radio, these songs start out so sad. I kid you not, every single time, it's like, my life is hopeless. I've come to the end. I'm done with it all. And I'm like, Yeah, that's how I feel. I I turned this on, so I wouldn't feel like this anymore. But one thing that I've learned in my life, and to be honest, I'm still not a huge fan of Christian radio. It's not my favorite. I I love, call me a heathen if you want. I love rap and hip-hop and R&B, anything groovy, okay? But there is this certain beauty to Christian music that other genres don't have because they know this principle of seed time and harvest. And I do think it's really interesting when you compare the lyrics of a Christian music um, or a Christian song to a song made for the world. A lot of the times the songs in the world are very instant. Like i've got the fame i've got the girls i've got the cars the money the drugs whatever or i've got the like fight i'm gonna beat you up um whatever or i've got the the hurt and the pain, and I'm like, my life is so woe is me. However it starts, that's kind of how it ends, generally in worldly songs, right? It's, he broke my heart, he made it so hard to live, or I'm so in love with him or her, um, they make my life so much better, or I'm just trying to get that booty, like, let me let me hit that girl, I'm so cool, whatever. Whatever the song is, that's how it starts, is kind of how it ends. With Christian music, we see the principle of seed, time, and harvest. And you see how this is so woven throughout his kingdom? And it used to bother me at first, but since I've understood this, it makes a lot more sense is that when we sing, we are worshiping God, right? So when we sing Christian music, we're gonna worship God through those lyrics and through those melodies. A lot of times it starts out in that beginning stage of, hey, this is really hard. I'm having a hard time. I don't know if I can continue with this anymore. I'm at the end of my rope. And then you have some time in there. It sounds a little bit like I kind of went away for a while, but I reflected on God or, but I heard his voice. And then you have the harvest and how it starts is rarely how it ends, unless it already starts by glorifying God. But when we have these real, raw, Christian music songs, they never usually end how they started. They always come to a place of glorifying God and His goodness. And I think that's a really, really beautiful thing, because in the wilderness, when I was in the wilderness personally, I was very sick physically. I did not have a lot of energy. I barely got out of bed for months at a time because of how sick and tired I was. So um, I didn't really eat much. I really didn't have much of a life going on because of how much this impacted my life. But I was able to receive energy and joy only when I spent time in worship. And it was, it was honestly a miracle. It astounded me every single day that I did this. But every day, I would let, let things go on a little bit. I would do what I could in my own strength, really. I, I didn't go to God right away in the mornings like I, I probably should have. I didn't. I would do things as much as I could until I got completely exhausted, which honestly didn't take very long because I was very sick. And so maybe an hour would go by. I was sitting on the couch for an hour. I got too tired. I had to lay down again. And I would lay down and just think and read my Bible. I'd put um, the Bible app. I'd have the Bible app read to me or I'd listen to a podcast or something. And then it would get to this point where I was like, okay, I'm tired of laying down. I really want to get up and do something, feel like I'm alive because I was, I was like, I want to feel like I'm alive. So I would turn on worship music, and I created a specific worship playlist with the songs that I liked, so I wouldn't get (laughs) annoyed with any of the ones that would come on on the radio. And I'd listen, and I'd sit there just like I was listening to a podcast. I'd sit there or lay there and listen to this worship song, a lot of the times I didn't have a lot of energy to talk, which is crazy because I've been talking for almost an hour now. I didn't have a lot of energy even to get like simple sentences out of my mouth. So I just sit there and just listen and just kind of like praise God in my heart, you know, I was not actually lifting my hands, but in my heart and my mind I was. And that song would end and another one would start. And when that song came on, I felt like Okay, like I was getting into it a little bit. I'd like move side so to side a little bit and just kind of like nod my head to it.' I'm still not much going on, but I was lifting my hands in my heart, doing what I could. Then, three or four songs later, here I was singing to it. I would sing a full song and for some of you, you do that maybe way too much. Uh, I know I do now being extra and I love singing and talking. but during this time, that was a big deal. For me to be able to sit there and sing a full two-minute song, huge, huge deal. Then three or more song, four songs after that, I would be up standing dancing with my hands in the air. And I couldn't do that. Honestly, I could barely even take showers because I couldn't stand for the, like five minutes. It was really bad. So the fact that I could stand to a two-minute worship song and then two or three more songs after that i would be jumping around the house cleaning the house i remember very specifically there was one afternoon where i was vacuuming the house listening to worship music and i was so filled with joy and the presence of god in that room and inside myself that even to this day i still get goosebumps on my arm thinking about it because it amazes me i should not have been able to do that there is no way and i wasn't i wasn't able to do that but it was god within me in me awakening that power and glorifying god with the very very little that i had because guys i wasn't doing anything else i can't i'm not exaggerating this when i say i was deathly ill and the fact that i could stand and praise god and then and do things around the house get done the things that i needed to get done it is a miracle a living 2021 miracle and this is what happens when we go through these hard seasons knowing seed time and harvest that there's always an end more beautiful than the first start but also that In the wilderness, God hasn't left you, but God is still faithful to you. And your life can be filled with joy, the strength of God, the love of God, and the fragrance of heaven. It says in the Bible that our worship and our praise and our lives are the sweet fragrance of Christ, which ascends to God. And how beautiful is that, that even in my darkest time, God sees me And responds to me the way I would respond to a really good candle because, like, guys, I love candles. I have candles all over my room, I have flowers all over my room. I have this really good perfume that I like to wear. I think smells can just change the aesthetic of something you're wearing or a place you're in, and they're related to memories. Have you guys ever smelled something and it instantly brought you back to a time in your life? That is what God feels when we are glorifying him that we are the fragrance the sweet fragrance of christ which ascends to god in heaven and i think that's absolutely beautiful that he takes so much pleasure of us he's like when you drive past that really good taco stand at two in the morning and you're like "Mm." dang like get me some tacos now that is what god is like like oh man like the way they're worshipping like i just you feel fragrances they're related to memories they can bring up strong emotions when it says we are the sweet fragrance god is just like ah oh, i love them like man that is so good like that smells so good that makes me feel so good And that is where we get that internal joy that we need. And I say joy, not strength, because it says the joy of the Lord is my strength. So if you feel weak and beaten down and burnt out and just kind of scorched and hurt and in pain and weary and tired, you need the joy of the Lord. That is what you need, my friend, a revelation on the joy of the Lord. And that happens by getting to know who Jesus is. So that's the first place to start. But when we are in that wilderness place, worshiping God, remembering his faithfulness and singing aloud, either our sorrows or our praise can bring the joy of the Lord and the strength that you need to get through it. And I think there's something so beautiful in remembering what God has done throughout the Bible That has always been a common theme of remembering the good God has done in your life. So if you could think of a few times that God has maybe protected you or given you strength that you need, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be a really small thing, but remembering the faithfulness of God is what helps bring us through every single time because God is faithful. Just like how the sun rises and sets every single day, we know that God is going to be faithful. Let's say the sun comes up in the morning, you get up, but you don't see it, but it's cloudy, but it's cold, but it's rainy, but it's not the day that I want it to be. Never do we question, oh, I wonder if the sun just disappeared. I wonder if the sun's not there anymore. I wonder if it will come up tomorrow. No, we know that the sun is there and that the sun is still shining and still working even if we can't see it. And it's the same thing with God. Because if there's one thing I know and I can say with 100% confidence is that God is faithful and faithful every single time. So friend, even when your emotions are telling you he's not there, even when your mind is telling you he's not there, it's not happening, you're not gonna get through, even when your body is telling you it's not possible, know that God is faithful every single time. His faithfulness never fails. Put on a worship song. Be in the moment. Enjoy and feel your emotions, whether they're good or bad. But know that whatever you're feeling doesn't dictate the faithfulness of God. So God is going to be faithful every single time, whether you feel like he is or he isn't. He is going to be faithful. And so I want to close with this. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. In Psalm 89, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the Council of the Holy Ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. You crushed Rahab like one of the slain. With your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. The heavens are yours and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south. Tabor and Hermon sing for joy at your name. Your arm is endowed with power and your hand is strong. Your right hand exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. For you are their glory and strength. And by your favor, you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shields belong to the Lord, our King, the Holy One of Israel. Once you spoke a vision to your faithful people. You said, I have bestowed the strength on a warrior. I've raised up a young man or woman from among the people. I have found David my servant with my sacred oil. I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. The enemy will not get the better of him. The wicked will not oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him, and through my name his horns will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, you are my father, my God, the rock, my savior, and I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted kings of the earth. I will maintain my love to him forever and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure.